Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to this week's NTT20 betting show, which is sponsored by Betfair. On this week's show, our selections across the League One and League Two games this weekend with the Championship pausing for international action. We'll also have a glance across the outright markets on Betfair to see if we can spot any value. We've got five games worth of evidence now and normally this is a good time to just have a glance and see if there's anything that stands out. I'm Ali Maxwell, George Ellick with me. Uh, George, how are you doing? How's your week been? Good, thank you, mate. Yeah, very good. Another weekend of no work for me, so two in a row. Yeah, a cut-down card, shall we say, on Quest on Saturday, eh? Yeah, me and Clinton Morrison, alongside Colin Murray, talking through the League 1 and League 2 highlights from 9 o'clock on Quest. Really looking forward to my second appearance of the season. Last week was horrendous, no getting away from it. Your next best was Huddersfield to beat Reading, and they won handsomely, 4-0, in fact. But that was it. I felt very hard done by, though. Yeah? I mean, I hope the people who listen to the pod... Well, yeah, I mean, you've got the classic, not the top 20 curse of doing a one team to win and over and over 1.5 goals and it being 1-0 to the team you picked to win, which is mightily frustrating. Um, the under one and a half tip in Derby Forest was... I mean, it was a, another dire game where it was an 80th minute goal for, for just to just creep over the goal line. Um, Carl Bartley came off at half time in the West Brom game after I said he's guaranteed to play 90 minutes and it was the other centre-back, Semi Ajayi, who scored the goal. So, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly wasn't very attractive. And and the winning bet was a 4-0 win. So it wasn't a very attractive um, card on my behalf, but I'm I'm pretty happy with the reasoning for all, all of the bets. It was a complete blank from me. And my nap Ipswich managed to draw from 2-0 up. My 16-1 anytime goal scorer, Ryan Leak, forced a, a half-decent save from the Cheltenham keeper. I wouldn't say it was a clear-cut chance, but it was a good effort and, again, kind of justified my selection, I think. But it was really desperate aside from that. And apologise uh, to you, the listener, to George, uh, to my family, most importantly, whose largely good name uh, has taken a real hit after that. There's no chasing losses. Uh, George and I both gamble responsibly, which is so, so important. Didn't go chasing. I've kept my powder dry this week. I've approached this weekend in the same way as always. Trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. Um, gambling is for over 18s only. It does come with significant risks, of course. So you should only bet what you can afford to lose as a starting point. Uh, never chase losses. And please be gamble aware. If you don't understand some of the risks that come with gambling, head to begambleaware.org for all the information. George, let's start with our best bets of this reduced docket. What's your nap in the EFL? The nap is Accrington to beat Shrewsbury Town at home on Saturday. One of just three League One games taking place due to the international break, which some quite clever Oxford fans have pointed out. For other League One fans, it's something to, to remember. I think the next one is the 9th of October. So before you book any away games, book any travel or book any tickets or anything like that, be aware that I think League One fixtures are going to be fairly decimated by these international breaks. So hold off. There's a quick public service announcement for you in this betting show. Yeah, I think that Accrington should be an odds-on shot here. Yes, Shrewsbury beat Gillingham last time out. They were 1-0 down in the game. There was a, a bicycle kick from a 17-year-old that got them back into it and then a bit of a a, a rope-a-dope where they scored a couple of minutes later and won the game 2-1. A, a friend of mine texted me, I think on Friday last week, saying... Gillingham beat Shrewsbury, don't they? And I replied saying, mm, yes, Shrewsbury aren't very good, but neither of them are very good. So I wouldn't be getting too excited about Gillingham being a good thing. And that is kind of the thinking here. Uh, I think that was a game between two of the weakest teams and their current guises at the moment. Both of them have serious issues in terms of the, of the manager's relationship with the club. You know, we saw Steve Evans talking about how he might have to walk away if things aren't sorted. Well, we've seen Steve Cotterill um, this week 
his relationship with both the club, with the local press and the fans is nosediving pretty quickly. And it feels like Cotterill's time at Shrews has been a bit of a microcosm of his managerial career where I've never seen a manager polarise opinion so much. You have Bristol City fans who'll tell you that Steve Cotterill is the best possible League One manager you can get who had such amazing success there. It was incredibly popular. Then you've got Birmingham fans who will tell you that he is poison and that he is not somebody you want at your football club and the football is terrible. It's pretty rare that you have such disparate views between two sets of fans who both know the same manager pretty well and I think we've seen both sides of Cotterill at Shrewsbury so far but at the moment it's pretty desperate. For Accrington, you know, I think we, we talked um, on our Leveller exclusive podcast yesterday on Wednesday, on our transfer window one, about the winners of the window. Well, I think Accrington have to be up there with the winners of the window purely because of the players that they've kept hold of. You've seen Dion Charles linked to Bristol City, a move that didn't materialise. We saw um, Colby Bishop being linked to Peterborough towards the end of the window, a move that didn't materialise. They've managed to keep their players you know, in effectively with a couple of key additions. Harry Pell's also already had a decent start and they've had a, a good start to the season so far. Their home form is pretty good uh, since they lost 5-1 against AFC Wimbledon last, uh, sorry, in April last season. They've won three and drawn two of their home games. The two draws came at the back end of last season against Pompey and Charlton uh, as they played party pooper for their playoff chances. Um, but wins so far this season against Cambridge and Doncaster, two sides who you know, certainly Doncaster have started the season pretty badly, but I don't think Shrewsbury could have much of a claim to be much better than those two sides. So I think this looks like a, a fairly regulation home win for for the better side in Accrington. Um, they've had other key players step up so far this season already. Neither Bishop or, or Charles have scored, but Matt Butcher's had a very good start. I mentioned Pell. Colby bag two in, in midweek in the Pizza Cup, so he's uh, exactly. fit and firing. Exactly. And yeah, and Sean McConville looks back to the kind of form that we have been used to seeing him in uh, in previous seasons as well. Started the season very, very well. Um, so, yeah, I, I I just think they're the better side and they're in, in not a prohibitive price, even money to win the game. So I said I'd approached this weekend in the same way as, as always. Quite literally, I'm approaching my nap in the same way that I approached it last weekend. I picked Ipswich as my nap, you may remember. Uh, a high-profile team for the division that they're in with a manager from Liverpool uh, that has overhauled the whole squad this summer and was expected to challenge for the title only to start slowly. My nap this week, George, is a high-profile team for the division in which they play with a manager from Liverpool that overhauled the whole squad this season and was expected to challenge but has started very slowly. Bristol Rovers, my nap, at home mm. to Crawley this weekend. 21 to 20, the exact same price as Ipswich for, were last week as well. Now, to be fair, it's not the exact same reasoning because last week it was mostly about how I thought Ipswich were ripe for their first win. Uh, and here it's more about the opposition that Bristol Rovers are playing against in, in Crawley Town, who I think may be the worst team in League Two based on the evidence so far. That doesn't mean, I think, that they will will be... The, the worst team in League Two. Partly this is down to an injury crisis that has John Yems very upset at the moment. Now, they've only played four games. Some teams have played five. And in that, they did beat Salford City. So results-wise, it hasn't all been doom and gloom. But if you look at the underlying numbers, mostly in terms of defensively, they are about as bad as it gets so far in terms of allowing the opposition to do whatever they want with the ball and create chances at will. Crawley 
have always basically had a poor defensive record, at least the last few seasons that I can think of. But they have actually been pretty entertaining to watch and, and mostly under Yems have been pretty good going forward. But I think Tom Nichols has to be one of the most valuable players to his club in League Two. And he hasn't played a single minute this season due to injury. I think Nichols has to be seen as the glue in Crawley's attack because without him, they've been really, really struggling to create anything. Now... Uh, they played a pretty strong team in the EFL Trophy in midweek and lost 6-1 to Charlton. It's the second time this season they've conceded six goals uh, after losing 6-3 to Forest Green as well. And even outside of those games, they've had a couple of games where their defences looked really poor. Now, they are ravaged by injuries, as I said. Tony Craig is pretty much the only man standing at the moment. And Dallison was injured early on in the game in midweek. Uh, they have a, a centre-back on the bench called Ransom, who Yems didn't bring on to play. Whether or not that was because he just needed to wrap him in cotton wool so that he at least has two centre-backs to play this weekend, I don't know. But it's an area of concern. They're really not in a good place at the moment. I'm a little bit nervous when it comes to Crawley because I think Yems's Crawley have generally enjoyed taking on bigger teams and kind of ruining their day. I'm just not sure they're in a position where they can be their best selves, um, to use that rather twee phrase. You know, albeit to good, two good sides in Forest Green and Charlton in the league above, to concede six goals twice already by the by the 1st of September uh, doesn't reflect very well on them. Uh, Bristol Rovers have been poor in some of their games as well. I mean, anytime they've played a half-decent team in League Two, whether it was Mansfield on opening day, Exeter, who they were 4-0 down to in, in half an hour, or Stevenage, who they lost to as well, they've been... Uh, the the inferior side but I think they're growing slowly into the season Uh, they did beat Oldham just about deservingly and they drew with Barrow last week um, albeit with Barrow having 10 men for the most part so by no means a great side certainly some signs of improvement I think and they also played a strong team in the trophy in midweek instead of losing 6-1 they actually beat Cheltenham in the league above 2-0 it was a good performance and some some good individual performances as well so I think that this could be another good enough performance for Bristol Rovers in front of a fan base desperate for them to get the season up and running. I think the early season concerns can melt away a touch because I don't think Crawley are in the right place uh, or the right frame of mind to keep Bristol Rovers at bay. Uh, We'll see how it goes, but at 21 to 20, uh, that's my nap. Bristol Rovers to beat Crawley this weekend in League Two. Next best. Yeah, we're going to come back to that game later on in the podcast um, for another one of my bets. But we'll move on now uh, to my next best, which is Hartlepool draw no bet at 11 to 10 uh, away at Tranmere. That is with the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, and I, I just don't really understand what's going on here, really. I mean, I, I understand that Tranmere's pre-season aspirations were, were much higher than that of Hartlepool. But on all the evidence we've seen so far this season, Hartlepool are a better team than Tranmere. Um, that obviously doesn't always necessarily mean that Hartlepool are going to win this game. You know, Tranmere have home advantage and um, you have to think they're underperforming so far, but you're making a massive leap of faith if you're backing Tranmere here, um, in my opinion. Uh, we've seen, I think, enough from Hartlepool already in terms of their performance level, in terms of the teams they played against as well. Um, they're just a, a very, very good um, side. You know, last time out, they beat a decent Carlisle side um, in the league. They've also beaten Walsall. The only kind of disappointing, I guess, performance was away at Barrow, um, where they twice came back from behind. Uh, Tranmere's uh, just, it's been such a dire, um, boring start to their season. They scored on opening day against Walsall. That's the only goal they've scored so far this season. Since then, it's been two nil-nil draws and two one-nil losses. Um, as I say, you're, you're having to make a massive leap in order to think they're going to improve. I know they brought in certain plays that Tranmere fans will say will improve them. 
Um, but again, you know, we, we mentioned on that pod yesterday, Nicky Maynard, you're asking a lot for him just to come into this team and start scoring goals. It, it just doesn't really work that way. Um, Tyler Bury is a player that you and I have both been very impressed with early on uh, in his time at uh, Hartlepool with three goals and an assist in his three games and all three goals full of quality as well. You know, he got a move to Millwall on the back of um, some performances at AFC Wimbledon as a teenager. Uh, I don't think he probably expected to be back down in League Two uh, as he is. And it looked to me like he should have been picked up by a League One club for this loan rather than a League Two club. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, we said in our pre-season previews that Dave Challoner is going to have to be a pretty sharp operator in order to to improve Hartlepool further. And all all evidence so far suggests that he is. You know, if, if this is a match between two managers on the base of what they've done this season, I'd rather have um, Challoner in my corner than, than Mickey Mellon. So, you know, taking out the the draw uh, as an insurance here because I guess nil nil or one all is probably quite likely given um, Tranmere's struggles in front of goals, but their proficiency in keeping clean sheets. Um, but yeah, getting odds against and taking out the draw about Hartlepool seems seems a, a big price. So my next best is in League One and it's MK Dons to beat Cheltenham at Cheltenham this weekend. Cheltenham are the six to four favourites for this one. MK Dons a little longer at nine to five and. Personally, I think that's the wrong way around. So I would like to make the most of that. Cheltenham haven't been as good as I thought they'd be out of possession, defensively, I suppose. Um, pre-season, we felt like actually moving up a division, they wouldn't have to necessarily change their style of play. As it is, actually, they've looked a little bit leaky defensively. They're, they're, not, they're not as able to control the game without the ball as they were in League Two. Now, partly, they've not been helped by the departure of Ben Tozer, uh, who obviously left for Wrexham last week, something of a surprise move um, before the Burton game. Charlie Raglan also didn't play last weekend. Um, he did train on Monday, but I read in the local press today he felt some pain in his knee and has under- undergone a scan to reveal the extent of the damage. Now, if I trained on a Monday and felt pain in my knee, I wouldn't be that keen to test it. There are some injuries I think one plays through fairly comfortably. I think as a centre-back, any sort of pain in the knee is uh, is something not worth doing. So I- I- I'd be surprised if Raglan's back in here. So that Tozer, Boyle, Raglan trio that have been so excellent over the last uh, year or two, they've been broken up slightly, and-, and that's a bit of a blow, I think. They have signed Matty Pollock on loan from Watford, obviously formerly Grimsby youngster, still very young, I think just 19. It might be that he goes straight into the team. If not, anyway, it will be Long, uh, who, who previously was the right wing back, uh, Boyle, of course, and Freestone. And I just don't think that quite convinces in the same way. The, the other issue on that note is they're up against an MK Don side who have scored the most goals in League One so far this season. Um, probably the entertainers of the division, if you look at the underlying numbers, the XG, the XG where they've got the fifth best XG number four, the fifth best attack in terms of chance creation from open play, and the worst XG against. Now, I think... Although that's quite alarming to see for MK Dons fans that they've got the worst XG against from open play. I think hugely um, massaged by the first two games of the season. You remember the thrill draw against Bolton um, with a couple of uh, very sort of close range chances finished by Wanderers. And then their second league game against Sunderland where again Ross Stewart tapped in from you know three yards after a, a defensive uh, after a goalkeeper parried it to him. So since then they've really impressed. Uh, we talked about the Monday pod about how you know having a someone overseeing football operations like Liam Sweeting helps you to avoid bumps in the road or or rather you can't avoid bumps in the road but when you hit a bump in the road to uh, to keep going and and not to have to 
stop because you've broken down and need to call the AA. I do, why do I keep getting myself into car analogies? I know nothing <laughs> about cars. Anyway, it's hard not to have been impressed with Liam Manning's uh, first few games because, you know, they are not changing hugely their general style of play. They still want to dominate the ball. They still want to play the same formation. They want to play two up top, twine in behind, technical midfield players, ball playing defenders, and really attacking wing backs. Um, and I love that. I think they're less likely to concede a goal by giving it away, passing around the back this season than they are last season, which can't be a bad thing. Whether or not that impacts their build-up play and uh, and ability to, to create chances and enter the opposition final third, Russell Martin would probably say it, it will have a negative impact. But so far, so good. Um, they're still playing some really good attacking stuff. And, and I think they're in a good position to beat Cheltenham because I think they're on a higher level to Cheltenham Town at the moment and I wouldn't have Cheltenham as the favourite. So MK Don's at 9-5, to five, my next best in the EFL. Just a reminder that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all Football League games. That's applicable to singles and multiples. No cash-out suspensions guaranteed on match odds for all EFL games on Betfair. Uh, make the most of the sportsbook and the exchange this weekend if you're thinking of having a punt. Georgia, a lay bet from you this week. We went 0 for 2 last time. Hopefully we put that right here, although maybe not for Mansfield fans, because I'm laying Mansfield. Um, I've been matched this morning on the exchange, the Betfair exchange at 1.93. So around about, you know, 10 to 11, 19 to 20, that kind of area. Uh, I just think, I mean, I'm not in any way anti-Mansfield. I think Mansfield have made a decent start. I think they're going to be a good team this season. I don't think they're one of the best teams in the division as it stands, but that could change. But I think Harrogate might be. I mean, uh, it's kind of similar to the Hartlepool thing. You know, all evidence that I've seen so far suggests that this Harrogate side are one of the best teams in the division, are currently not being shown the respect they deserve in the market. Um, you look at the XG4 so far this season, their total XG4 um, is 3.8, which is about mid-table, but then you factor in the fact that they've played fewer games than the rest of the league. So that doesn't take in per 90, uh, which would boost them above Mansfield's. Their defence looks pretty solid as well. Um, they brought in uh, Jack Diamond, who will add a bit of, well, some serious quality, you'd think, on the right-hand side um, on Saturday. I'm sure he'll come straight in, given he's been playing already this season for for, for Sunderland. Um, I'm backing them to win the game as well, but this just seems an obvious one to me where I'm, I'm, I'd be really surprised if Mansfield rods on um, come Saturday, 2 o'clock. I think Harrogate will, be, will get backed, and rightly so. I'm laying... Northampton in the same division and a pretty similar price as well. I've put up a lay at 1.95 on the Betfair exchange. I think I'm currently the, you know, I'm the next cab off the rank when someone wants to back, when someone wants to back <laughs> Northampton. So I would expect to get matched at 1.95 um, by the time the game kicks off, that's for sure, on Saturday. Uh, just a quick one really here. I think Northampton won their first two games, 1-0, with set-piece goals. And I think... Just being on six points from two games, people just bumped them up in their ratings. Performance-wise, there hasn't really been anything in the league to suggest that they are a particularly good side. Uh, and in their last two games, they haven't had quite the same success. They've taken the fewest shots from open play in League Two. They haven't scored a single goal from open play yet. So thank God for the set-piece threat that, in fairness, they do have. And that's where their three goals in four games have come from so far this season. So just not sold at all on Northampton Town at the moment. I mean, they could be playing almost anyone. And if they were odds-on to win, I would probably lay them. But also, I think with Scunny, I think it's time to say that they haven't been as bad as we thought they might be. They were pretty much 
everyone's tip for relegation. And so far, albeit they haven't been amazing, um, they've been much more competitive than we thought. Uh, they've been struggling for goals, which has been a problem for a while now. And it's hard to see with the personnel and perhaps with the, the style of play how they'd ever become a team that score a lot of goals. But they're creating a fair amount of chances looking at the underlying numbers. And they haven't lost in their last four with, with three draws and one win. They've definitely, definitely, in punting terms, frustrated a few um, strong favourites over the last few weeks and I hope that they'll do the same here at Northampton um, probably not a game that you'd pay to watch this one I think the the lack of attacking threat from both teams in open play means that I expect this game to be very low margin so I'm just very happy to have both the draw and a Scunthorpe win on side uh, and lay the odds on favourites Northampton uh, at 1.95 George do you have some goals bets for us or maybe some goal scorers as well yeah goals bet it's back to the game you were talking about earlier um, Bristol Rovers against um Crawley and yeah I mean I, I share your concerns about Crawley I'm still very very concerned about Bristol Rovers um, and yeah, kind of looking through I mean Opta have, have of course made their League 1 and League 2 data available um, the Opta analyst uh, the analyst I should say and I was looking through it earlier today and yes when you go to expected goals against and you click to sort by expected goals from open play conceded Crawley are top of the tree with 7.4. Now, the issue is is that the season is only, what, five games old and quite a big bulk of that 7.4 is from the game where they conceded six, four of which were basically hammered in on the line. So it's a bit noisy, that number, I would say, at the moment. Um, And Forest Green are, in my opinion, a very good side as well. Uh, It's more telling to me when looking through this and, and Bristol Rovers is fairly high as well unsurprisingly you know sh- shelling four against uh, Exeter it's more telling to me when you look at the the goals um the xg4 where you have Crawley have created 2.9 Bristol Rovers 3.3 so both very lowly um in their divisions if you're looking at set plays as well Crawley second from bottom basically created nothing from set pieces uh, Bristol Rovers 0.8 now, there are two ways of thinking about this, because if you, if you look through the League 2 card, and the over and unders, most games in League 2 this weekend are heavy odds on um, unders, which is not really surprising. You know, Tramir Hartlepool, nearly two on. Newport, Leighton Orient is two on. Carlisle Salford is two on. So is Colchester Sutton. You know, that is kind of a standard price. There are three games that kind of stick their, their head out amongst those the rest of them and they're all 20 to 23 so just a shade under even money exeter forest green understandable given forest green next to have already this season shown themselves to be fairly free scoring at times although i would say i mean i looked at this because exeter um have had a couple of very boring games at home mansfield harrogate as we've already discussed both teams who are pretty good going forward and then bristol rovers crawley well i'm guessing the reason it's priced up that way is because both of them concede a lot of chances but i'm not convinced that's how this works <laughs> you know i'd much rather be against goals with two teams who um, can't create anything than with goals because you've got two teams who are poor defensively, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I, I don't anticipate either of these teams is going to suddenly turn into um, sides who are going to create plenty of chances for a high-scoring game. I also think that for both of them, a win is so important. It's the classic, uh, you know, as soon as it's 1-0, the game plan is torn up for both. Joey Barton needs a win. John Yems, especially with the injuries, is, is going to sit on whatever he can get. So I think it's it's a big price. I think when you, if I were to draw a list up of the games most likely to, to um, 
not contain many goals this would be quite near the top of it and yet in the prices it's right down the bottom so 23 to 20 under two and a half uh gas against crawley yeah, I'm going to go with a multi here and make the most of the fact that it's double daily rewards week on Betfair. And that means that their multiples offer, which is normally bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and get a £5 free bet on multiples or bet builders. And it's now a £10 free bet. Uh, and I'd like to certainly make the most of that offer this week. And it's a fourfold on over 2.5, all of them going overs. Uh, Cheltenham MK, MK Dons, I've already mentioned. I really think MK Dons are quite the attacking force at the moment, but I also think there's a decent chance that Cheltenham could could hurt them going the other way. I think uh, that's an even money to go over 2.5. Wimbledon Oxford over 2.5 is 1.75. I feel like that's a bit of an auto bet um, with those two teams and how they've started the season and, and essentially how they look to play. I think both teams will be going all out to win that game and that's going to be a good watch Mansfield Harrogate you mentioned um, last season Harrogate lost all seven of their away games against top seven teams I do still have Mansfield rated as a top seven team um, and I think they can score some goals but equally as you've rightly said I think they've looked vulnerable at the back Clough has been very vocal in how disappointed he's been with his defenders so far and Harrogate very ambitious going forward not just Jack Diamond who you mentioned but Simon Power looks like he's back and fit uh, and then all the guys who have been performing already this season, Patterson, Armstrong, etc. So looking t- forward to goals in that one over 2.5 at 1.9. And then to finish off the fourfold, Exeter against Forest Green. You summed it up as well. Both teams very good at attacking and probably not very good at defending uh, on, on the looks of what we've seen so far. That one, 1.9 as well to be over 2.5. So um, a fourfold. Uh, a point for me at 12.63 when I popped this in the bet slip earlier. Cheltenham MK Dons, Wimbledon Oxford, Mansfield Harrogate and Exeter Forest Green. A over 2.5 goals, fourfold at 12.63. The multiples offer from Betfair this week is that if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll get £10 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. Goal scorers, and then maybe some outrights before we finish, George. Um, mm. I have already mentioned uh, two games where my goal scorers come from. Half a point on Aaron Collins to score first for Bristol Rovers. He's so lively. I don't think he's actually the most natural finisher. I've said it before, but he does. He's a bit of an XG monster. He always seems to be on the end of chances. Uh, and as mentioned, Crawley with this problem at centre-back, Tony Craig not being a great fit, I don't think, to try and get a handle on on one of the fastest and most mobile attackers in the league. Aaron Collins at 6-1 to one to score first with Betfair uh, for Bristol Rovers against Crawley in my nap. And then Scott Twine, I've basically been backing him to score most games this season anyway because he just has a license to shoot from anywhere. I know that we don't always think that shooting from 35 yards is the best option, but him more than anyone else has the technique and the ability to um, to really trouble goalkeepers. Goalkeepers, rather. He's already got two goals in five games this season. They're both free kick goals, but in open play as well, he is certainly in the right place to get on, on the end of chances for MK Dons, uh, playing in that number 10 role. And with Troy Parra out on international duty this weekend, I think behind Isa, he's probably their biggest goal threat. So 8-1, to one, first goal scorer for me. Half a point on Squat Twine. Half a point on Aaron Collins at 6-1. to <laughs> Squat Twine. Is that what I said? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like what I was doing in the gym earlier. Um, <laughs> humble brag. Uh, right. Yeah, my um, goal scorer one. I'm going to tell people who, if, they don't, if they don't know what I was talking about earlier about the opt-to-data, if you go to dataviz.theanalyst.com, um, the kind people at Opta at Perform have um, put up all of their, well, lots of their player and team um, expected goal stuff. And going to expected goals, player, 
sorting by XG so far this season um, per 90 and then using that as my first goal scorer tip might seem um, like quite a football manager way of, of playing betting. Um, but I do think there's value to be had with Harry Smith at Leighton Orient um, to score first, last in any time. Any time probably the one I'd pick to be the tip at 11-4. to four. Uh, I've backed Orient at Newport anyway. Um, I think they're about 2-1 to one on the sports book. Uh, I think they've started the season very well and I think the narrative around Kenny Jacket and Orient is always wrong. You know, they've looked like a really good side already. Um, you know, I spoke a lot about how for the majority of Jacket's reign at Pompey, they were a free-scoring side, um, despite how it seemed. And Leighton Orient immediately looked much better at creating chances. Uh, Smith played 90 minutes in their last game, uh, which they won, and he scored in. He also hit the woodwork. He had four shots in the game. You know, he was getting on the end of everything. And uh, he's a player who... Has never been prolific before, uh, but I would caveat that by saying that he's played for a Macclesfield team who are desperate and scored nine goals, a Northampton team who are desperate and scored, I think, eight goals in the season. He's never played up front for a good side before, uh, and I think this season that is going to change. And he does top that um, expected goals for table. Uh, he's averaging 0.81 XG per 90. That's just two starts and two sub-appearances. It's a tiny sample size. Uh, but given I've backed Orient already, given that we can be pretty confident he's going to play the majority and he comes into this in very good form, um, I think that that 11-4 to 4, uh, is a good way of, of going about this. And I just wanted to have a little look at the outrights. This feels like a good time to do it with um, no championship action this weekend and, and five games worth of evidence to see if there's any stances that we have through five games that, uh, that maybe we can use to find a bit of value. I mean, actually, I've got two selections that are both top goal scorer picks but just looking at some of the other markets on on Betfair sportsbook the the only one in the championship for me George was trying to make use of the fact that I'm more confident of Fulham and West Brom coming in the top 2 than any other duo since we've been doing the podcast and therefore looking at the straight forecast market you've you've got Fulham first West Brom second at 9 to 2 West Brom first Fulham second at 9 to 2 and I think I think I've been thinking a lot about it I still lean towards Fulham at this point I know we've been blown away with how Ishmael has has implemented this style of play at West Brom I still think that Silver's style is probably more suited to being the dominant team in a division um, over 46 games and and I might well be wrong on that front but I just think the strength and depth that they have as well means that key injuries would not impact them as much as key injuries perhaps would for uh, for West Brom so uh, I would look at Fulham West Brom straight forecast at 9-2 to two. but apart from that in the championship there wasn't a huge amount that stood out to me um, was there anything that caught your eye? No, I've just got two bets in League One. Well, given the way you've talked about Wigan Athletics so far, and given how much you loved their deadline day business, I reckon that 11-1 to 1 with Betfair Sportsbook might appeal. Yeah, best price on the market. Uh, yeah, I think Wigan at 11-1 to 1 is definitely one of them. Um, just being underrated, I would say, quite heavily. Um, I mean, I quite also like the even money top six, but the only issue I've got with that is that there are so many teams in League One who look quite good that if things do go... Uh, a bit awry then maybe you don't want to be bothering backing even money shots so I, I think the 11 to 1 each way um, they're, you know they started the season incredibly well they've had the hardest fixture list of anyone in League 1 so far um, only lost one game which is on opening day to Sunderland they brought in a very very good championship left back uh, in Joe Bennett on deadline day they brought in Jason Carr who comes in with 
a hell of a reputation from St. Johnson um, and Curtis Tilt, who spent last season there as well. And that isn't, they weren't three signings that they desperately needed. They already had a very good defensive record and some very good defenders as well. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Wigan, to be honest at the moment. I'm a, I'm, I think they're going to um, not be 11 to one for much longer. Lactic acid in the legs and love for the lattics. In your heart. In the heads. Yeah, in League One, it's, it's a top goal scorer fancy for me. It's one that I've been sort of looking at with love in my eyes for the last few weeks, and that's Ross Stewart, um, the Sunderland striker, the Loch Ness Drogba, who is 16-1 to 1, um, with each way terms as well, which are uh, a quarter of the price for the top four places. Um, I really like this because he looks really dangerous uh, he already has what four goals is it uh, in five games he is mm. clearly Sunderland's number nine I don't really see anyone coming to take that jersey off him certainly in the next few months I don't see any reason why unlike Josh Madger a few years ago Sunderland would have to sell him in January if things are going well I haven't been as convinced you know there are some big name strikers in League One a lot of them play for the same teams and I almost sort of mark them down for that because it's difficult for an Ipswich striker for example or a Wigan striker to really stand out when they have three four other um, big names sort of vying for the same shirts and, and sharing shots with whereas Stewart is just the, the man the number nine they're creating a lot of chances for him and it's not just McGeady crosses it's it's all sorts as well Embleton and Gooch have been brilliant so at 16 to 1 each way which is basically you know you've got the other part of the stake is a four-to-one shot for him to to be in the top four. I really, really like that. I find it hard to uh, to believe that he wouldn't be um, there or thereabouts, shall we say? And I feel exactly the same about Jamil Matt, fourteen-to-one each way uh, in League Two. Uh, he's been outshone by Matty Stevens so far, his Forest Green teammate, who is you know much shorter in the market. But Matt has three and five himself. He's the captain, leader, legend of this Forest Green side. Even if Stevens has started by scoring more goals than him, I'm very confident in saying Matt is A, the better player, B, the more important player for Forest Green, C, more likely to sustain form than someone who we haven't seen do it particularly at this level before. Uh, so I think he's much more of a constant, dependable threat over the course of the season for Forest Green, a side who are, are plundering goals, as we know. So um, yeah, Jamil Matt 14-1, to Stuart 16-1. to I like the each-way terms for both of those, basically because... You know, I just really find it difficult, barring injury, to imagine them not being there or thereabouts. The the each way uh, double price is uh, well two hundred and fifty five. Um, both Ooh. of these guys nailed on starters for top teams, proper number nines, everything really that I look for in a top goalscorer bet. So um, I, I like those two. I must say at this point, Ross Stewart and Jamil Matt. So uh, it'd be interesting to know what what other people think about those top goalscorer markets, especially in the championship. If you don't think Mitro is going to win. The, the golden boot uh, then there's some real value to be had but sadly as hard as I tried uh, I couldn't quite avoid him so um, just Stuart and Matt for me at the moment but I'm pretty keen on those two I must say um, anything else that you'd like to bring up George League One top goal scorer taking on your um, your Ross Stewart with uh, a former Sunderland striker well no a current Sunderland striker a very very speculative 50 to 1 Will Grigg poke um <laughs> So you laugh. Why are you laughing? I don't know. You just, you just, you're very pro Will Grigg over the last few years. So Will Grigg played 1,227 minutes for MK Dons last season. He scored eight. He scored eight goals. So so he scored a goal every 153 minutes. That's not going to do. Does it. That, <laughs> if, if, if he does that again for Rotherham, he'll get 20 goals. So yeah, 
So there you go. So you can pretty get yourself a place. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not sitting here thinking he's definitely he's definitely going to do it. But you've got a guy who you can be, who who you know without a shadow of a doubt in his career has topped this league twice. You know, we know he's got the ability to do. It. You know, in the right team, he scores loads of goals. Now, there's every chance that he's rotated in and out of the side throughout the season. But if he gets off to a hot start, you can be pretty guaranteed it's going to be the Darpo Smith, whoever next to him. Um, and if things start going well, then I think things will snowball very quickly. We had them top of our one to twenty fours. We think they're going to score goals. That f- that fifty to one for a previously proven striker who just last season playing in a front two scored at a ratio that would at least get him a place seems massive to okay. me. Okay, Stuart one, Grig two, and everyone will be a winner then. Um, mm. <laughs> okay, let's recap our bets. Uh, I'll go first. My nap is Bristol Rovers to beat Crawley at 21 to 20. My next best is MK Dons to beat Cheltenham at 9 to 5 with Betfair Sportsbook. I've put up a lay at 1.95, laying Northampton Town at home to Scunthorpe in League Two. Uh, I've got a goals quad. Uh, fourfold at 12.63 and it's over 2.5 in the following games. Cheltenham versus MK Dons, Wimbledon versus Oxford, Mansfield versus Harrogate and Exeter against Forest Green. Goal scorers are Scott Twine at 8-1 and Aaron Collins at 6-1. Very small stakes those for me, but I think both value uh, to score first in their games for MK Dons and Bristol Rovers uh, respectively. And in terms of outrights, it's mostly Ross Stewart and Jamil Matt to win the golden boot each way. Stewart 16-1 in League 1 and Jamil Matt 14-1 each way in League 2. All prices, of course, are with Betfair, either the sportsbook or in terms of our lay bets, the exchange. George, recap your bets, please, sir. Yeah, at Nackrington, at Nackrington, Nap Accrington, uh, at Even Money, uh, home to Shrewsbury. Hartlepool Jorno bet is the NB, um, DNB for the NB. There you go. Maybe that should be the way we always do it. Uh, laying Mansfield uh, at 1.93 at the moment, at home to Harrogate. Under two and a half goals, Bristol Rovers Crawley at 20 to 23. And Harry Smith, first, any time and last, 11 and 2, 11 and 4, 11 and 2. Will it be liquid DNB or dirty DNB? That's what we'll find out over the weekend. Uh, this podcast has been sponsored by Betfair. We thank them for their huge support for the whole of the Not The Top 20 podcast network. Can I call us a network? It didn't feel right. I'm, mm. never, I'm never calling us a network again. <laughs> um, but we did do some bonus content, didn't we, for the NTT 20 squad this week. A deadline day breakdown, a recap, if you will. We chatted for 90 minutes. It was very informal. We took some questions from the floor uh, on the chat. Uh, and the NTT 20 squad is a, a community that we're building. It's almost uh, 120 strong now, 120 people who absolutely love the EFL, who want to share their expertise, but who also want to uh, drink at the well uh, of insight provided by everyone on the squad. And George and I dipping in and out uh, every day with some uh, some extra thoughts and uh, some bonus content every now and again as well. So do get involved if that sounds like something that interests you. We do have a separate channel for betting-related chat as well. So we're trying to find extra value, um, certainly on Fridays and Saturdays. Once we've recorded this on a Thursday, we're still on the lookout. Uh, head to the link in the description of this podcast. It's also the link in the bio of our Twitter account. If you'd like to find out more, you can sign up for a two-week free trial before you start your monthly subscription. That's for the NTT20 squad. Please do watch Quest tomorrow night. Uh, no, Saturday night, uh, 9pm. I'll be on with Clinton Morrison and Colin Murray uh, talking you through League 1 and League 2 highlights. Let's hope 
for a more profitable weekend on the NTT20 betting show. But thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk again on Monday.